And welcome to today's episode of a Shot in the Arm podcast from Croy. In fact, you're getting a twofer today. Our first, <laughs> our first episode, we're looking at the in long-acting injectable of cabotegravir in girls and women. And later on, we'll be looking at the results that have been presented today, further results about the Mosaica vaccine trial. But I'm hugely thrilled to be inviting to the table, along with Yvette, Dr. Kimberly Smith, who is the head of R&D at Vive Healthcare. She's a friend of the pod. Welcome back, Kim. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Kim, and I'm excited to meet you. I'm excited to meet you, Yvette. Yvette, you know, Yvette is my middle name. Oh, okay. What else did they say about me, Kim? They've said wonderful <laughs> things, and I, I know you gave a rousing talk the other day, calling okay. out everybody who needed to be called out. I love it. Thank you. Well, before we get into this, you'll notice that I'm dressed down a little bit and I'm wearing a T-shirt. It's the T-shirt of the Alliance for Public Health in Ukraine. They are a partner of Frontline Aids. And we're doing this, um, I suppose, partly in honor of the big speeches that are taking place in Poland today um, in relation to what's going on in Ukraine. And I know, Yvette, I've got to mention Palestine as well in the same breath. Very notably done. Yeah. Um, but uh, to Andre and all our colleagues at the Alliance for Public Health, uh, viva and keep at it. So, Yvette, you had some thoughts about women's leadership in HIV. Yes, and I think today is especially exciting for me as a black woman because I am interviewing a woman of color. And Kim, uh, you might think that I'm just here to to be excited about it. For us, as black women, as women in Africa, to see people the same colors as gives gives that uh, thing around representability, and you do that for us. So I'm very excited, and I look forward to a long friendship, even after the interview. Absolutely, <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you. I mean, Kim, for people who. Uh, perhaps don't know you as well. What is your history? How did you come to be the head of certainly one of the two most important virology HIV companies, um, the head of R&D in, in that company? Um, so I've been with Vive now for nearly 10 years. And so Vive Healthcare is, you know, the only company that's 100% focused on HIV. And it came into existence in 2009 I joined in 2013, and I joined the company to oversee clinical development, and I was brought into the company by the head of R&D at the time, uh, John Pottage, who had been a mentor of mine uh, in, in years past, and, you know, he, he saw in me uh, the possibility of someone who could play an important role in pharma. I had spent 20 years in academic research in HIV and taking care of patients and being an overall troublemaker uh, in academics. And, and then I got the opportunity to, to bring that troublemaking behavior into pharma. And, um, and so John was, um, um, is a great mentor. And so I came to the company uh, and learned a tremendous amount about, you know, how we can really transform the field with unique medicines under, uh, you know, with under John's tutelage. And 
a few years ago, John retired, and um, we had over between, you know, 2014, and when John retired, we'd grown the R&D organization from being about 15 people to now being about 150 people. And then, um, so I got the opportunity to take the leadership role, and so I've been at the helm since 2019, and it's been a, a wonderful journey. We have, um, you know, we've worked hard to bring long-acting cabotegavir and other medicines to to the market, and you know, it's just. I think I have been um, fortunate in that I've had the right experiences, the right. Uh, in taking care of patients and doing research and having the right relationships. And, you know, not everyone transitions from academics into pharma very easily. But I, unique, Vive is pretty unique in that it's not a typical pharma organization. We are very small. We have a, almost like a biotech type of environment where it's you know, we're very much a family. We, you know, it, it, at the beginning when I first joined, it was sort of, you know, all hands on deck. You just did whatever needed to be done to move things forward. And uh, I just fit in and 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 was able to help us grow and, you know, had a few ideas about how to do things in a way that is different. And um, And what I mean by that is actually truly being representative and answering questions that are relevant for the populations that have been left behind previously. Yeah, and I think for, for me also, Kim, is that you mentioned the issue around family and, and at Vive, and I told the Vive leadership that it's dangerous that I feel so comfortable around the leadership. It's dangerous that me as an activist feel like family, but the one thing that I, I like and is that open door for us to still have differences and differences with advocates and we still feel as if we are working together. And I, I, I just... I know Sean Mellis would be watching this, but yeah, my brother. It's it's all just my a sister. big family. It's just all a big family, and I love that about Vive. Well, we do. You know, we should call each other out. I mean, you know, when we when I I think we know that the whole field of HIV drug development has been pushed forward by advocates, and if we lose that, then I think we lose sort of our north star. And I so I think that that's a critical piece that you know that that. That challenge has to be there in order for us to understand where we should take medicines to the next, you know, next place. Yes. So, with that in mind, um, and uh, just a technical reminder to Yvette to to speak more clearly into the microphone. Okay. Why do I ever need to tell Yvette to speak more clearly? I don't. What on earth am I thinking? Um, but um, but but Kim. Today's a really important day for Cabele. Um, we've seen some data presented here on its use in girls and women in sub-Saharan Africa. Can you tell us a bit about what's going on and what the data said? Well, you, what you saw today that was new was data from um, HPTN 084-01, which was um, a, a small sub-study of adolescent girls. And Sybil Hosek presented that today and led that led that study, and it was a really important one because this was a study that wasn't designed to actually answer the efficacy question because we answered that in the overall large study. But this study was really designed to get the experience of young adolescent women and hear what they thought about long-acting cabotegavir for PrEP, whether or not they wanted to 
adhere to it, stay on the study? Um, how well was it tolerated? You know, that we needed to understand that because thankfully, the way we did the study and the data that we had allowed us to get approval in many of the places where it's approved all the way down to adolescence and based upon, you know, down to weights and down to age 12 or over, older. And, you know, but we didn't really have a lot of data about their experience. So mm -hmm. this was really important to get their experience and hear from them. And I think it was really exciting because, one, the adherence to the injections was 100%. Yes. Obviously. Which is like, <laughs> wow. Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, that you know, anybody who thought that, you know, adolescents didn't care and weren't going to be uh, dedicated you know, certainly were challenged by this. And so, you know, adherence was great. And there was very little side effect. And, and basically what you heard from the young women was that they liked this as an option in comparison to having to take pills every day. And so... I think that this reinforced what we've already seen with 084, and I think I think excited people even more just because, you know, you want to know that this is going to be something that's valued by young women. Yes, but Kim, doesn't that scare you, that young women want this and the price is still so high? Well, yeah, I knew you were going to try to sneak price in there. <laughs> so here, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's, let's just get this, this right about the price. So ultimately, what... V's goal is, is to get Capanuva for PrEP to Sub-Saharan Africa at a price that it makes it accessible for all the young women and older women and all the people who could benefit from it. And we're working on getting that done. I think what there's been a lot of information that has been somewhat inaccurate about, you know, sort of some of the pricing issues and manufacturing issues. And I don't want to go into great detail about that. But what I will say is that Viv has a reputation of uh, delivering access, and Dolutegavir is the best example of that, right? So there's, there's you know, 28 million people on treatment. Roughly 23 million of those people are on a Dolutegavir-based regimen. 22 million of that is made by generic companies. Only mm -hmm. about a million of it comes from Viv. And so we've made our products available to generic companies so that they can make it available to the world at at costs that are reasonable for the for the countries to be able to access them. And so we have the same commitment for CAP for PrEP. The difference between CAP for PrEP and Dolutegavir, though, is that, you know, manufacturing a sterile injectable product is much more complicated and takes, you know, a lot more effort, is much more expensive, and the ability of generic companies to actually be able to step up and do that is, you know, it's much harder than, you know, generic companies are very used to making a white tablet. And so that challenge is sort of what's been, I think, you know, churning, you know, like what, how are we going to get this done? Yes. And, 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 and truly so what, what we as advocates expect is that for you to make the drug easier, to make it, you know, giving a, a generate, gener Generic, that's such a tongue twister. Generic company, an easier access, uh, you know, access to make it. But it looks like this one is made more difficult, Kim. And that is the unfair part for us. Yeah, but here's, why the, here's the rub of it. We've got a, we've, we've got a formulation. And you, you, Kim, you've, you've signed up with the medicines patent pool. Mm -hmm. 
and we love the medicines patent pool on a shot in the arm podcast. Yes. But the issue here is that that, that tech transfer is going to take, frankly, a number of years, isn't it? It is. And so, what the hell do we do in the meantime? Does it does it not make sense to uh, whether it's through implementation style? implementation science studies or others, we have to do things to to prove the case and prove the worth and affordability now now. And that falls on you, I guess. And it and 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 you know what? We're stepping up to the plate for that. And so we've committed to a number of implementation studies. And you know, we are doing a, a tremendous amount of work to try to ramp up our manufacture within Vive, our partners GSK do this on our behalf, so that we can supply in the meantime until the generic companies are able to come on board. Now, now that takes a while. You have to, it takes a while to ramp up because you have to remember that 083 and 084 were stopped at least two years ahead of when we thought they would. It must have been the shortest trial ever. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the shortest, but it was pretty short relative exactly. to what, what you might have, what we anticipated that it could have mm. been. And so the fact that everything came all of a sudden, and the data was so good, now you have this demand like, okay, when can we make it available? And so we are we working hard to try to ramp it up. But I will say, you know, without getting into a tremendous amount of detail, it is quite complex to ramp up manufacture and, you know, to go from making, let's just say, you know, 100,000 vials to a million vials is not an overnight activity. And it, and it requires a lot of effort. And so I just want to make it clear that we are all in in making that effort to deliver as much as we can to 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 begin to supply until the generic companies are able to come online. And so it's not like, you know, because I know people are hearing it's going to be it could be five years before they come online. It's possible that that could be the case. We've committed that we're going to provide supply in the meantime. Yes, and 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 that is exciting to hear. And the fact is you're going to have to expand expect that pressure and deal with it because you guys created a game changer. What you developed over there is a game changer. Young people want to use it. They, they're excited about it. However, my, our worry is just the five years. And I think uh, that's why we're having this conversation. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to really, really commit to making it available, but also to keep uh, the end user informed about what's happening. I think that. Absolutely. And, and, I appreciate, you know, that that it's a game changer, but it's only a game changer if it gets into the hands of the people that need it. Right. And so that's, you know, that's 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 the commitment that we have. I mean, you know, again, you know, I think we've we've shown what we can do with Dolutegavir. And I think think of that as a model. And, you know, it it didn't happen overnight, even with a uh, you know, a small white tablet. It won't happen overnight with, um, you know, with this product. But the work is there. The commitment is there. We are on board. We don't mind being challenged because we know we're doing, you know, we're doing what we can, everything that we can to try to make this happen as quickly as possible. We're working with so many partners, mm -hmm. and, and those partners are critical to us being able to get this done. So I, I just, you know, I, I, I really stake my reputation on the fact that we absolutely are not kidding. We're getting there. We're going to get there, and you, you should hold us accountable to that. Yes, most definitely. So, talking about the performance of Cabele, um, our our new co-host Tommy Williams is a sadly can't be with us in Croy this week, um, but he is a. Uh, 
patient uh, coordinator for the University of um, Alabama in Birmingham. Um, he's now in the sickle cell clinic, but he was in the HIV clinic. Now, he is a, um, a patient of Vif's. He uh, takes uh, cabotegravir and rilpivirine for treatment. And um, we promised that we would ask you, how's it going in the U.S.? And how, uh, how are you seeing your efforts to um, improve access, particularly for uh, African-American populations in the southern states of the U.S.? So, um, so how's it going in the U.S.? So, you know, we, we, we got approval at the end of 2021. And so last year was, you know, uh, approval of the two-monthly dosing. And that's, that's, the, that's the most popular dosing. And so, you know, we got the first approval of monthly dosing right in the middle of, you know, COVID. And so there wasn't a huge amount of, of uptake in that first year, not surprisingly, because this is something that needs to be dosed in the clinic. So there was some uptake. But we really started to see it ramp up last year as people started coming out of COVID. And I think that what we've seen is, uh, you know, is, is, is really very positive. We think this is a medicine that can make a big difference for uh, people who are living with HIV because it actually impacts their lives in a very positive way, is what we've been told. So we hear from folks that, you know, that, that daily reminder of living with HIV, that when you take a pill is is a bit of a stressor for some, not for all, but for some. People worry sometimes about forgetting to take their medicine or that someone might find out that they're living with HIV when they didn't want them to know because mm -hmm. they saw their bottle, you know, nosing in their medicine cabinet or, or if they were traveling and they, you know, the bottle was seen. And so those, that stress, I think most clinicians in the country underappreciated. And they think that if you have an undetectable viral load, all's good, right? Mm -hmm. They come in, you come in, you get your labs, your viral load's undetectable and you're done. And I think what we've what we've learned in studying cab propivirine is that, you know, you really do change people's experience and take and lift a burden when you take away that daily pill. Mm -hmm. And so we're sharing some more data here at this conference that'll come out tomorrow that basically kind of reinforces that. And so I think it's overall doing well. So, you know, our commitment to making it available. Well, I mean, the reality is that we are we are absolutely committed to making all of our products available to folks regardless of their ability to pay. So if they don't have insurance, we have all sorts of expanded um, programs that will help individuals get access. And so we are, you know, we're we have a whole new group of community liaisons who go out and talk and are from the southeast part of the United States and can go and talk to the community, educate them about HIV, educate them about all the treatments, and, and then let them choose. And so that's, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's something that I'm looking forward to seeing the, how it plays out over the course of the next few years. Yes, but I'm, I'm almost jealous of Tommy and the fact that he gets to do that because, uh, and I, you know my next question is how, when are you planning to submit for approvals in South Africa? Because the same amount of people who are struggling with taking their drugs. And I think with this one, we also have some luxury. I think it's you, you're right to say the time it got approved in the United States was around COVID. So you don't have a lot of activism around it because I think we need it too in, in Africa. And, and we have 
patients who have been on ARVs for a long time, myself, I mean, I have a whole army, Kim, to remind me to take my medication. I was making eyes at Yvette, reminding her that um, she and her, her, her daughter, our close colleague, Waisha, we were pressing her to make sure she was taking her pills every day. Yes, because you guys don't understand the fact that people get tired of taking medication. And I am one of those people. So my husband reminds me, my daughter reminds me, Ben wakes up and he reminds me, and my mom reminds me from Limpopo. So it's important that we get those tools as well to people living with HIV. And I think that was what uh, one of my messages is that there is the unspoken a commitment that's not delivered to people living with HIV, who made these drugs easier, who may, gave our bodies for studies. But now we want research to be kind to us too. So when are you submitting in South Africa and in Africa, not just prevention? I am, I'm pretty sure we've already submitted in South Africa for treatment, and I will confirm that before the end of this meeting. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, Kim, here we are at Croy. We're back in person after, what, three years virtual. Um, what's it been like for you? Um, and what are you, what are you getting out of the conference? Well, it's been great to see everybody. Um, and we all look a bit older because COVID probably yeah. aged us all. Like, not you, no, not, not you, please, not you. Please, please you, not. you. You don't age, time machine. <laughs> <laughs> but we all look a little bit older. But, you know, it's so good to see everybody um, because... We we appreciate now more than ever how important it is actually to be face-to-face -face and be able to talk about things like this mm -hmm. together, not just virtually. And so I, I've really enjoyed being here. I think the data that's been presented has been very interesting. I, I, I don't know, Yvette, if you were here for the morning presentation, but there was an incredible presentation from Dr. Jameson at Emory on reproductive rights and and talking about the the mm -hmm. impact of the Supreme Court decision um you know turning turning down basically reversing Roe Roe v Wade and and that you know I, I was so happy that the program committee actually brought that discussion to yep. this meeting because it is it's such a critical uh topic and it's relevant for women who are living with HIV tremendously, even maybe more so than even other populations because of everything that goes on in your life. And so he, she, she, gave a, she gave a number of examples of situations where it was just really heartbreaking to think about the lack of access to in, in the, for these women. And she talked also about the global implications. If they can do this in the U.S., you see this kind of thing happening in other parts mm -hmm. of the world. And so I thought that was unique for Croy, but really important. Yeah, and, and, and also for us across the globe to always remember to be allies, that if it can happen to you, it can happen to anyone That's else. Right. And that is what actually I feel in this conference. I feel the fact that people are just talking about not only the role they play, but we have that new thing of what is community doing. And I, I would like to challenge people also, and scientists, researchers, policymakers, to always know that we got here together. Mm. None of us are doing it all by ourselves. Uh, the same applies, of course, to uh, men who have sex with men and gay men in Uganda at the moment, um, and the solidarity that we, we need there. I, I'm intrigued, Kim, that Croy are letting um, more 
sociological behavioral science into the agenda. Um, that's a shout out to Judy Auerbach. Yes, we love you, Judy. Um, but I also think it is a testament, and you just sort of touched on it, that you cannot do science in a vacuum. And the ultimately, it comes down to how the technologies are utilized and how policies that limit the use of technologies uh, can be uh, can be decided and implemented, perhaps by people who aren't fully understanding what it means. No, absolutely. I mean, I you know, when we when we talk about what's happening for men who have sex with men in different parts of the world where being gay is criminalized, we, you know, we're not that far from that kind of thing in parts of the United States. I mean, look at where we're going. And so we have to be united in pushing back on that everywhere. And so I, I do like it when we talk about these challenges that exist for our communities and, you know, what can we do to help? How can we be good allies? How can we as scientists, as providers, be advocates. Yeah. Well, I think we're coming up to the uh, top of the hour for this uh, for this particular interview. And Kim, is there is there anything else that you'd uh, say to us? Things that we should watch out for? Things we should be keeping our ears and eyes out about? Or things that you're interested in that you think we should know about? Well, I also would just want to mention the other presentation that came from uh, long-acting Cabotegravir for PrEP today that was the Black MSM presentation. And, you know, honestly, I wanted to jump up and, you know, give it, uh, you know, a hoot and a holler because it's so important that we finally have data mm -hmm. on Black MSM in the United States. And so it was so beautifully presented, and it's so great to actually see this data and this means you come to communities that are disproportionately impacted in the U.S. with data that's them, mm -hmm. not trying to extrapolate data from somebody else to them. So I'm, I was super excited to see that. And so that was a big cheer yeah. uh, from me. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. The data is important because of represent, uh, representability, but also then that divide, the thing that I was talking about, not even putting, but uh, punting a certain product for a certain population. I was worried that we are leaving gay men behind, we are leaving MSM behind, if we are not talking as much as we should about uh, Cabotegravir for them. And finally, we can all come together. When That's we right. go back, we're going to use the data, sit around those studies and see how we can advocate for this together. Because everybody who needs it needs to be able to get it. And that just reminds me of some data that Monica Gandhi presented yesterday that we spoke briefly about, about the use of Cabele in uh, another group of marginalized people, homeless and people with severe mental health issues. And, you know, as I put another hat on as the chair of the San Francisco Community Health Center, you know, Cabele and so, so Cabele for prevention and also for treatment is utterly changing the way we are providing services to people who are very, very much on the margins of society. So, yeah, exciting times. It is exciting times, but we have more to do. And so, you know, one of the other presentations yesterday challenged around more data for people who inject drugs. Mm -hmm. That's a fair challenge. We need to get more data in these populations. And so, you know, we're, we're, we absolutely believe that Cabotegavir repivering for treatment and Cabotegavir for PrEP can be game-changing, but, but we have a tremendous amount more to do 
to really allow them to fulfill, fulfill their full potential around mm-hmm. the world. And, and we are, you know, we're up for it. And so, you know, we're, we're happy to be called out. We're, we're ready to partner to answer questions. And so, you know, it's exciting for me to have a chance to talk with you guys today. Yes, and it was definitely very exciting for me to, uh, to meet you in person and get to know you a little bit better. My pleasure. Well, that's it for this episode. Um, you know where to find us on all major podcast platforms on our YouTube channel. Um, and uh, watch out for the additional podcast that's coming out later today. Um, uh, in the meantime, it just remains for me to thank him. You are welcome anytime at a Shot in the Arm podcast. Thanks for, uh, for joining us and taking the tough questions. We really appreciate it. And um, uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, you will see me soon. I'll come back as soon as I've got something new to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>